recently I had kind of a surprise in my, my quiet time. I was reading Luke 8, um, and in verse 16 it says, you know, no one lights a lamp, hides it in a clay jar, or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, immediately, a little song from my childhood, you know, Sunday school and vacation Bible school, you know, came into my mind. And uh, you, you know it. Why don't you sing it along with me? Uh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now, you know, all of you, you know, some of you are doing the, the little, little uh, finger things, you know, don't put it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. You know, that was in there. Uh, don't let Satan, what? Blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. It was, you know, it was classic. You know, it's just a great, great song. And so I'm reading this in my quiet time. And I'm thinking this. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus surprises me. In Luke 8, 16, it's different. Now, the little light of mine song is from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 15, and 16. So I don't want you to think that the little light song, you know, isn't good. We're not throwing that away. But this is different. Jesus surprises me. He says it begins in the same way, but it ends in a different place. He says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on the stand so that those who can see, uh, can see the light, who come in can see the light. So far, so good. You know, put the light on a stand, others can see it. But there's, this is no longer about letting my little light shine. He, he says... He throws me a curve. He says, for there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Whoa, am I supposed to be the one who will make sure that nothing is hidden, that nothing is concealed? I mean, this is no longer about letting my little light shine. What's it about? Look at verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Now, here Jesus is not saying, uh, let your life be a beacon that will shine for me. Although, you know, he's saying that elsewhere. He's not saying here, go tell it on the mountain. He's not sa saying those kinds of things. He is saying... Listen up. Keep your eyes open. God is going to shine His light into your presence. And He wants you to see. Not trying to hide it. He wants you to see. He's not going to hide His will from you. He's going to put it on a lampstand so that you'll be guided by His light. 
But what's the condition that he places on me as I'm trying to figure this thing out? What's the condition he places on you? Here it is. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Recently, I did a survey of key words in the Scripture. and Because I was curious about this thing. And um, do you know what the most frequent command that I can find in Scripture is? It's not what I kind of figured it would be. You know, I, f- I thought it might be love God or something about love. You know, love the Lord. Nope. Love God is five times in Scripture. That was a surprise to me. Love the Lord 17 times. Although the, the word love is used in the NIV 166 times. My next pick was worship. Now, it's there a lot. 254 times. And of course, some of the uses are of inappropriate worship. But that's a lot. But it's not the winner. 287 times the NIV uses the word believe. 206 times the NIV uses the word obey. I thought, well, what about repent? 79 times. Not even close. So you ready for number one? A little drum roll. It's listen up. Listen. 412 times in Scripture where God says, Hey, trying to talk to you. Pay attention. Listen up. 412 times. I didn't figure that. Now, truth is, I'm not particularly good at listening. My wife would attend to that, or she would attest to that. But a little over 10 years ago, I I was in Fort Liberté, Haiti, and Warrington Baptist Church had a wonderful relationship. I think I mentioned that before, maybe, uh, with Jerusalem Baptist Church in Fort Liberté in Haiti. It's been more than 20 years now that we've been doing this. And along with our Haitian brothers and sisters, we help do all kinds of things, plant near great crops to feed folk, and help build and staff an orphanage. But we also ran a medical clinic. And usually I did the construction stuff. You know, I, um, I'm not real adept at, you know, medical stuff. But one day, Trish Putnam, our uh, physician's assistant, you know, she decided that I needed to get onto the ground floor of the medical clinic. So she took this lumbering galunkus um, into the, the dental clinic, and she grabbed me. She said, follow me. And I washed up, and she led me behind this little white cloth petition in the clinic, and there's this precious little boy on the temple, on the table. And Trish says, the child's ear is compacted. So take this syringe and force it, force water into the child's ear until the wax is cleared. Now the next hour and a half was a battle. The child's ears were infected and sensitive to the touch. At home, he had no bed except the ground. And so dirt would mix with the wax in his ear 
and then hardened. And his attempts to get the dirt out with his little finger just pressed it in and compacted it more. And now he was deafened by this almost rock-hard plug that separated his eardrums from the sounds of the world. And it was my job to fill the syringe with salt water and expel a pretty strong stream into the ear so it would eat away the plug and, and then catch the water in a pan and repeat this for an hour and a half until the blockage was cleared. He had ears to hear, but he couldn't hear. Now, throughout Luke, Jesus calls us to consider carefully how you listen. And there are lots of examples. Do you know the first thing Luke says that Jesus did? It's in Luke 2, verse 46. Do you remember the story of Jesus going to Jerusalem when he was 12? And the family goes to Jerusalem for the Passover. And on the way back, Mary and Joseph can't find Jesus. And uh, they had assumed he was, was with other family members. And they double back. And Luke writes, after three days they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus listening is the first thing that he does in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 6, Jesus calls the twelve apostles, preaches the Sermon on the Plain. Verse 27, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Jesus concludes his sermon in verses 46-49, with the parable of the man who built his house on the rock foundation. You remember that parable. The storm comes, the house is safe because it's built on the rock. And Jesus opens the parable with a statement, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them in practice, I will show you what they are like. He said, this is what the people that listen are the ones that build the house on the rock. In Luke 8, Jesus tells a parable of the soils. You know, the, the farmer comes, he's broadcasting the seed. You remember it. Um, some's on shallow soil, some's on a bunch of weeds. You know? And he concludes it. It's all about listening. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. Luke 8, 18. Now that's when we come to our passage this morning that sparked this little survey. But, but that's not the end of the call to listen in Luke. In case we haven't gotten the message yet, Luke hammers it home in chapter 9. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. Boys are groggy with sleep while Jesus prays. While he prays, Jesus is filled with light and surrounded with glory. And the disciples suddenly awake and they see Jesus with Moses and Elijah in brilliant light. And Moses and Elijah start to leave. Peter tries to fix things. Master, um, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Luke comments that Peter didn't know what he was saying. That while he was talking... 
a cloud enveloped the mountaintop, and a voice, rather the voice, sounded what? This is my Son whom I have chosen. Listen to Him. You begin to get an idea? It's kind of important. It says, listen up. Listen up. Again and again, even to the end of his gospel, Luke is going to say, listen up. And it's not just in Luke. It permeates all of Scripture. Isaiah 65, 1. Lord says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that called by my name. And then in verse 12. When I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen, but you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. I mean, this command or request to listen up asserts that there's something important to hear. You say, listen up. You're saying, you need to pay attention right here. You might miss some parts of the conversation, but when somebody says, listen up, that's a new priority. Well, how high a priority is dependent on who it is that's talking and what circumstances you, you face. Well, it seems to me that this is the word of the Lord for King's Grant Baptist Church this morning. Listen up. Now, there's some easy applications where you desperately need to hear the voice of the Lord. He promises to boldly shine His light into this church, into His people. But His one requirement is clear. Consider carefully how you listen. I don't need to tell you in what area you desperately need to hear the Lord's voice. Now, you're the people of God. You know, you'll have a better idea about that than I do. But I would say pray for crystal clear clarity in identifying your specific missional vision for this church. What is our mission in this time, in this place as your people? Lord, what, what is it that we must change? What is it that we must guard and keep? Lord, now listen up. Pray for the pastor search committee and the new pastors. Specifically, Lord, who do you choose to be our next pastor? Who are you calling? Who, who will help us in living into our mission? Now listen up. He wants to reveal that. To let his light shine, right? Who will help us in living into our, our mission? Listen up. He'll manifest His will. However, consider carefully how you listen. Pray for the leadership of this church. Lord, how do we function as your church during and after the coronavirus pandemic? What, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? Listen up. You know, Pray for your, your teenagers on their mission trip to Guatemala. Lift them up. 
Pray for the church to have the courage to embrace her mission. The command or request to listen up asserts that there's something important to hear. And you might miss some portions of the conversation, but when somebody says listen up, you you pay attention. How high a priority is dependent on who it is that's talking and what circumstances you face. And if Jesus is the one talking, it doesn't get any more important than that. Seems to me this is the word of the Lord for King's Grant this morning. Now there's some easy applications where you desperately need to hear the voice of the Lord. He promises to boldly shine His light into this church, into His people. But His one requirement is clear. Consider carefully how you listen. Don't bring any preconceptions. Don't go looking to try to hear what you want to hear. Listen to what He's got to say. So who is the Lord calling in this fellowship specifically? Listen up. It doesn't get any higher up than the Lord. Who will quiet their spirit before the Lord? Who will come boldly before the Lord saying, Lord God, you said you would speak. You gave the command to listen. Here we are listening. Who, who's going to do that? Listen up with the assurance that the light is shining and the Lord promises. And He'll put the lamp on the lampstand and He'll reveal Himself and He will reveal His will. And He'll reveal the provision needed for the fulfillment of His will. Who will boldly go to the throne of grace and say, Lord, we need Your direction for this moment in time. You promised to speak if we would listen. Give us ears to hear. Help us eliminate all the other static. Help us get the wax out of our ears. And then go to the quiet place and praise Him. And that will help with focus. And confess any known sin. And pray for those who have offended you and for those you have offended. And that will get some of the wax out of your ears. And thank Him. And now rest in His presence. And listen. Listen up. But I also suggest that you listen in. Now if you're listening in, You're overhearing a conversation that's already taking place. I hear the voice of the Lord most often in my Bible study. You know, I'll be facing a particular situation in my life, and I'll read a particular passage of Scripture, and it'll be exactly what I needed at that precise moment. And I'm listening into the Lord's will as I listen in to the Lord's Word. And I overhear the answer I desperately need. It's just amazing. For example, on February 1, 2020, in my quiet time, I read 2 Corinthians 5, 1-6. through 6. Again, I, I go through the Bible. I read, try to read it through multiple times every year. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And uh, so if you, if you read three chapters a day, you can go through it a year. Six chapters, you can go through it twice. But anyway, on that particular day of the 1189, I read 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 6. For we know that if 
the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Now, now the one who's fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who's given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what to come. This is that wonderful passage you'll hear at funerals a lot of time, where it's, it's talking about the glory of resurrection that we will participate in. And uh, I was listening in on Paul's conversation with the Corinthians. And again, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. That day, that's what I read. Not because I picked it, was in this sequence of what I read. And that was the day we buried my mother. And that was the one chapter on the one day that I needed it. And the light was shining brightly for me. It's on a stand. Listen up is a focus. Listen in is a practice. You have to read the Word if you want to listen in. Listen in on what he's already talking about. But finally, I'd suggest you listen out. Listen out. Now, if you're listening out for something, you're facing a particular situation, you need a particular word from the Lord. And you listen with the assurance that you desperately need the light if you're going to navigate in the dark. But you don't have that direction yet. And sometimes it can come from wise counsel. Listen out. God speaks through somebody else. Other times it can come in dramatic fashion. And there may be circumstances that demand a solution. And, and you have to make a decision. And Jesus promises that there will be light. So listen out. And Baptists love programs. So I suggest you, you know, create a program. Listen. Create a program. Listen. Listen up. Listen in. Listen out. Now you figure it out. From 1977 to 1984, my wife Claudia and I were in eastern North Carolina pastoring itty bitty little church, the Bell Haven Missionary Baptist Church. And, and Bell Haven is this wonderful itty bitty little community on the Pamlico Sound. And the Lord blessed. Our Sunday school grew. Uh, we built an education building and paid for it. Frankly, the Lord did it all. But there were some faithful prayer warriors who lifted up both the church and their rookie pastor daily. And one day I got a phone call from Lucille Carowin, who was a lady in a prayer group that I was in. And she got right to the point. Jay, are you leaving us? I have a strong sense you're, you're leaving us. Are you leaving us? And I said, no, Lucille. You know, there was a church uh, in Tidewater area in Virginia that had got in contact with me a few months ago 
But we were in the middle of the building program, and I told them that I couldn't leave because we were in the building program. So I told them no. And uh, they asked if I could make the commitment now but come later, and I said no. Folk in Belhaven would find out. The son of one of our members in Belhaven was in the church in Pocosin, Virginia. They contacted me. No, no, can't do that. Lucille said, well, I had this strong sense that you're leaving. I said, well, Lucille, when you tell a Baptist church no, they're not coming back. They ain't coming back. Next day, I got a call from Harold Wernham, chairperson of the search committee of Emmaus Baptist Church. They were the church that called earlier. After the call with Harold, I called Lucille. I said, you're not going to believe who just called. Chairperson of the search committee of Emmaus Baptist Church. Lucille just simply said, whoa. Do your best to make sure you're listening to the Son and not your own will or that which you think will benefit you personally. But listen up. Listen in. And listen out. That little boy in Haiti was scared half to death. His mama had to hold him. And I tried to reassure him and love him. And finally we got that last bit of wax out of his ear. And the pain had eased. And the world was now filled with the music of his mother's voice. And he just burst out laughing. He had ears to hear. Listen up. Maybe the Lord's speaking in some way this morning to you um, individually. And, and he's saying something akin to, hey, this is a good people. Look at what's happening in the midst of this people right now. How the Lord is using this group of people. And maybe the Lord is saying to you, you know, this would be a good group of people to be a part of. Maybe you already know Jesus, but you don't have a family. Family of faith. I believe you'll find a family right here. Maybe during this time of invitation, you would like to suggest to me or the folk who are here, the representatives of the church, that, you know, I'd like to be a part of that group of folk. I mean, I already know Jesus, but... I'm listening in and listening up and listening out, and it seems like to me, the Lord's saying to me, be a part of this church family. 
Well, in these moments, if God's saying that to you, I, I would invite you to just meet with me at the end of the service right here. And we'll pursue whatever it needs to happen to see that you get to be a part of this family. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and saying, you know, I'm bearing witness right now to the glory of the great God, to the wonder of the Savior who is Jesus Christ. And through the testimonies you've heard and just what you, you've sensed, the Lord saying, you know, it's time for you to give your heart to me. Are you listening? Yeah, it's time for you to turn away from the brokenness and sinfulness and turn to my light. Are you listening? Well, if he's saying that to you, I invite you to, during this time, to come on down. And I invite the rest of you to be praying and listen up. Listen out and listen in. And if God's speaking and you'd like to respond, I want you to have that opportunity. So you respond as God leads and we'll just give you this opportunity just for a second or two. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up the light of his countenance unto you and give you his peace. This day and unto the age to come, through the mighty working of our crucified and resurrected and reigning Savior Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God bless you.